Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sturkers and Radar, brought to you by Ping. Play your best, you know the rules. <laughs> Great to have you all with us. And Radar, you're in Sydney. I'm in the UK and you're in sunny Sydney. Yeah, yep, yep, you're in the UK. Uh, yeah, I'm up down here in Sydney. It's, it's pretty cloudy, but it's, it's nice to be home, seeing family and all that, going on the beach every day. I was at Bondi and Coogee and Clavelli and Bronte today. And my local beach is a place called Cronulla I've been doing the rounds. Just it's nice to be uh, back at the beach and spending some time in the sun. But I'm up there on the back up there on the thirtieth uh, of um, December because we've got an early start next year with a new event up there in Abu Dhabi, the teams event, which I'm looking forward to. But we'll get that. We'll get into that when we get deeper into the show. We will indeed. Look, we're going to get straight to it and welcome our first, our very special guest for this month's edition of Sturkers and Radar. Uh, delighted to say, well, we're crossing, we're a little international today. We're crossing time zones. I'm in the UK, as I said, Radar's in in um, in Sydney. And our next guest, delighted to welcome Nicholas Colsarts, live from Dubai. Nico, great to have you with us. Uh, it's pretty cool uh, to be with you guys. Uh, I, I've done a few of these, and it's always uh, it's always good fun. And uh, I've, I've always had a special relationship with you too, so I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, Very nice of you to come on the show. One of the nicest guys on tour. There aren't many of us left. <laughs> <laughs> you were definitely part of that club. That's at least I can do. That's at least I can say. You look very relaxed there as well, just reclining with a little reclining on. It looks like you're laying down on a beanbag or something, or you're you're looking very chilled, Nico. Well, I I just looked at her radar was or radar <laughs> set up, and I thought that I had to go uh, to sit accordingly. You do. Uh, listen, congrats! Recently announced as uh, one of the new uh, VCs for Team Europe next year. I was chuffed for you. I remember, obviously, we you know we interviewed you known you a lot of many years on tour obviously played a starring role in 2012 which we'll come to but just describe what an honor it was to, to get the call and and to be a part of the european team as a vc for next year well i mean it's a massive honor uh, you know whenever you are selected to play team events you know even growing up you know national team stuff play for your country and then you know we played a bunch of sevi trophies back in the day and 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 then when you get the chance to play for the for the biggest one that we have in our sport against the US in being the Ryder Cup. It's just a massive honor. And it's also a recognition of how good of a player you you have become. Um, and now 12, you know, 10 years after uh, getting a call to be involved into of, of being one of the vice captain is, is, I mean, it's cherry on the cake. Uh, it was always the one thing that I wanted to do in life was part of Ryder Cup. I've been really, really fortunate to play one, to play one of the best ones, to have really made an impression the time I played, and now being uh, even just considered to be one guy that could be brought into the backroom staff is is yeah, is it's just amazing, absolutely amazing. I'm buzzing already. I'm so excited. So I, I can't wait for this thing to start. <laughs> When you played Medina, Nick, well, we all know the miracle of Medina and you had a great, um, I think it was the opening match, you shot something silly around Medina. But all I want to know, what was the piss-up like in the locker room on Sunday night? It was a, a piss-up deluxe. <laughs> We're talking 
we're talking as soon as the last match or the result came up, somebody hands you a drink and you're basically drinking all the way back to London the next day. <laughs> and, Rory didn't and, show up late for that one. No, but uh, it, listen, I mean, I've, I've been to a lot of never-ending parties, but this one is definitely top three. <laughs> oh, good. Very good. Listen on that, because I presume you were the instigator because you... I mean, it's fair to say you, you've had a colourful life, haven't you? you? You know, you like a good party. You know how to celebrate. You know how to let your hair down. Is, is that fair to say? I mean, obviously, you're 40 now. You're a mature man. You're a dad. You've got two kids. But back in the day, I mean, you could party with the best, couldn't you? I was definitely a scratch partier or below. <laughs> uh, I have uh, been everywhere in the world. I have been to the best clubs in the world. I've always been into my electronic music and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I... I I've lived, uh, I think, for about two years, between 2007, 8, 9. I was basically living uh, a, a rock and roller sort of lifestyle that I always knew I had in me. I just didn't know when he was going to come out. <laughs> and uh, and one day I woke up and I was like, it might be a bit stupid to pass out on what this this talent could actually give me in life and in this profession and this sport that we love. So uh, it was... Uh, it was about time in the end of 2000s to uh, to get on the horse and give it a proper run. But I had a lot of fun doing it, and uh, I, I don't regret it one bit. Amazing. Nah, nah, absolutely not. We wouldn't have it any other way, and you wouldn't have it any other way, I'm sure. Well, no, I think it was in my blood. I mean, I, I was always attracted to to the, the rather more floral part of life. It's uh, <laughs> a lovely uh, it, description. It was, I love well, that. I was, I, was, I was trying to find something I could actually play on air. Floral <laughs> <laughs> way of life. <laughs> um, I, I, listen, I, I, I was always attracted. I remember since I was really, really young, I would, you know, whatever it was, music or or stories from Studio 54 and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, this would be amazing, you know, to uh, to, to to experience. And, and I did it. I did it fully. Uh and I was very fortunate that I could come back from uh, those two years because a lot of people wouldn't have been capable of doing that. And it was also because I realized that, you know, I had a lot of potential. I had something different than most other golfers or players or persons in general. And, uh, uh, you know, like everybody in life, at one stage you look at yourself and you go, okay, who am I? Where am I? Where do I want to go? Do I give it a shot? Yes or no? And I did. And, and I got, you know, especially rewarded for it. You did indeed. But you're a, you're a great champion in the respective. When you've been down, you've been and which you've been down of late with the, with the injuries. But even before you won one of your greatest triumphs is the, at the French around Paris National. I mean, you know, you, you can't be a hacker and win around there, Nick. And and you know, and going into that, you weren't in your best form. But then to come out and just show such spirit uh, and win, where does that rank for you? That win around Paris National. I mean, everybody would tell you the same thing. It's always difficult to 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 rank your wins, and you know when you have under where I mean, the normal guys would have under six, seven, or eight wins on tour. There's only a few that have twenty, thirty. At one stage, you kind of lose track of. <laughs> I'm pretty sure some of these yeah. guys don't even know what they want. But but when you're somebody normal, let's say, it's very difficult to rank them because your first one was special, my second one was a massive event of Volvo World Match Play where my parents were there and I've beaten the best in the world. Uh, but France was different for various reasons. Number one, you, like you mentioned, I was on the verge of losing my card mm. and French was the second last event of the year. So I needed to play well. Number two, uh, being Belgian, French speaking Belgian, I always had a special relationship with France. I burst into the scene in 2003 uh, at the Trophée Lancôme back in the day where I played in the last group on Saturday and Sunday, being just 20 years old. And, and you know, for a Belgian to play well in France, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, a Kiwi plays well in Australia. There's always that thing mm -hmm. where you go and, and play well into a bigger country that kind of always makes fun of you sort of thing. But I always had a special relationship with France because I grew up watching French television. They were the the... the they were my core friends when I got on tour, the Raf Jack or the Havre or even older than that, like Thomas Levey or Mark Farry. And, and I always considered them like examples and they would always give me advice. So I have a strong relationship with French golf and to win in France. And then number three, on a difficult golf course, really made it 
uh, an unbelievable victory. Nicholas, one minute, just going back to the Ryder Cup credit, because we've got, obviously we've got a lot to get through. The, if you like, your position now as one of the vice captains, the the sort of changing of the guard, it's been fascinating to see. And we won't, we won't delve into the complexities and the, the contentious issues regarding Liv and, and the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour. But I just, how mm. do you see, how, just take an over, overall view of European golf right now and the potential European Ryder Cup team and how you see a lot of the, the kind of elder statesmen have gone to live, kind of still don't know exactly what's happening there, but how do you see the changing of the guard? How do you see the European team looking next, next year? Because we are kind of in this different phase, this different stage, you'd have to say, for the European Ryder Cup team. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a change of generation. I mean, we've lost, uh, you know, big point scorers in 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 Sergio Westwood, Poulter, but it's just the way it goes uh, in, in every sport. I mean, nobody would ever thought that Roger Federer was going to hang up the boots, but everybody does at one stage. Uh, but I think that there is a, a huge amount of younger talent in Europe. I mean, you've got the Danish twins the Hoygaard, you've got Moronk, you've got two French players that are really good. and It's just a natural evolution of things. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, the US went through the same thing about four, five, six years ago, uh, where it felt like, you know, the Furyx and the Strickers and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I think it's just normal. It's just... Uh, you know, football is the same thing. I mean, you uh, look at Italy. Who would have thought that Italy would have not played a World Cup? If I told you this six years ago, you would have laughed. So it's just a natural, it's just, well, do you want to call it natural selection? It's just things that happen. But I think we, you know, the, the, the bollocking that we got last time is actually a, a, a good way of starting fresh, trying something mm-hmm. different. Uh, and, and who knows, maybe these guys that have gone to live, they were at the end of their Ryder Cup career. It's not necessarily a bad thing for us. Yeah, no, no, I think you're right. I, I think, you know, after last, uh, after Whistling Straits, we said, oh, this team, this American team, is going to be tough to beat for a long time. And everyone said the same thing. But just the way the European tour, uh, the European team now is, is starting to take shape, geez, my mind is, uh, is, is changing a little. And all the names that you said, uh, uh, Robert McIntyre, these guys, you know, they're going to be tough to beat in the respect if they do find themselves on the plane to Rome around a golf course that all the players will know so very well. We've got another Italian Open to go there this year before the Ryder Cup. You know, I think it's going to be a lot closer um, than people think. I think uh, the, the European team, you know, and with the, the, the what Luke Donald has done and he's bringing in some really fine people, not only players yeah okay you've all played but let's forget about that played well it, it, it's he's got a good mix of people around him and i think you know not only you guys be great vice captains but he's going to be a wonderful captain as well he's going to lead by example he's going to be there'll be no messing around with cool hand luke i mean i'm i'm only two three weeks into this so straight away when when i was announced as a vice captain i get thrown into this whatsapp group that there is between luke and the vice captains in yeah. thomas bjorn and, and morinari and straight away you know there's like eduardo that throws all these different stats about everyone think and then the discussions get rolling and i'm amazed of how invested and how deep and how low in the rankings and the list of players that could be capable of making this team look is looking. And we are still nine, 10 months away from this thing. And it, there's already questions about what about this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And then Eduardo goes out and does all these spreadsheets about, you know, what their, their golfing DNA is like. And I'm, I'm already like, wow, this is going to be super cool to be involved in these discussions because not only there's the data that's involved, although I'm not really ultra data kind of guy, uh, but all our personalities are different. I mean, Thomas has a huge amount of experience because he's done already a couple of vice captain's jobs and captain the, the, a very successful yeah. one in Paris. Then you've got Eduardo with, you know, all the all his data knowledge and his statistics program that is off the charts that he's done for the last, I don't know, many decades. 
And then you've got me that sits in the middle, you know, which is a bit more an hybrid old school, grew up old school kind of golf sort of thing. I mean, I kind of sniff, you know, what players are like and what they're good at without looking at the data. So I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how we can all get together and bring what our DNA as an observer or as a golfer to, to try to, 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 to put the best thing on the table possible. I think the mix of the vice captains, I think it's great. Like, I think you just summed it up perfectly there. I think what you will bring when you all come together, I think it's it's a really good mix for Luke and, and for Europe. So I'm excited to see. I mean, do you have, look, I'm going to ask you straight, do, captain aspirations for you one day. I mean, how big are those aspirations as you sit here right now chatting to us? Well, I mean, yeah, of course, it's the first thing you, you think about when you're asking to do advice. You realize that, you know, this could be the first step into maybe one day, you know, getting, getting the top job. But I've seen what captains have to do. I've seen, you know, the amount of time invested and all that kind of stuff. And I'm actually just quite happy uh, seeing what's it like uh, from one step, you know, even closer to, to, to that job i mean it's not for everyone mm. uh, uh and it, it 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 takes you know a, a year and a half two years of your life almost uh it, it's a huge commitment it's a huge responsibility uh because you represent european golf for two years and and uh and yeah who knows maybe i will have what it takes and maybe i will absolutely not i, I never really considered myself a huge like a, a, a number one front man type thing. You know, I grew up team sports and everything, and I was always quite happy being being a, a, a little bit further back. For example, I, I played number one in a singles lineup at a Royal Trophy one year, and I absolutely hated it. Mm. Be- because you're leading the other 10 or, or, or guys that are behind you, and you open up the course, and you have to make a statement. And I, I absolutely did not like it at all, but I have no problem being sent out in number two or three. So I think that's something in my personality that I've, that that needs to be uh, that needs to be looked at or maybe improved in, in case one day I I, I want to take this to uh, to the next step. That's interesting, really interesting. And it's yeah, it, it's what I what staggered me. I think the last few years, Solheim captain and and Ryder Cup captain is the amount of work involved. Like you said, I mean, it's a full time, it's full on job, isn't it? It's it, it's all encompassing. And that has changed. And I know from talking to Paul McGinley a lot about it over the years as well, it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's full on. So, well, anyway, look, we'll watch this space. I'm conscious time a little bit. Nicholas, I do want to talk to you about, obviously you've you've done interviews and you this this sort of rare kidney condition that you suffered with at the end of last year. And I just, before we started recording today, I just asked you how you were health-wise because, you know, you talked about it a lot earlier this year. It, it, and, and I joked with you at the top there, you know, you kind of led this, um, you know, amazing life you had that sort of rock and roll lifestyle for a couple of years you've had an amazing career you're a lucky guys you know you're, you're in a great position now you've got two kids recently announced as a european vice captain but you had this health scare and it rocked you and it's it was awful to read about it just talk about how it's changed your perspective on on life basically and how, it, how it's changed you as a person I, the thing that has changed the most is that I don't beat myself up as hard as I used to in the past, only because you realize that within one short appointment at the doctor's, your life can change. Uh, at, at, at first, like the first couple of hours and first couple of days meeting doctors in emergency rooms and really still trying to find out what I had, you like, is, is like, is this it for me? Like, is this where it ends? Uh, and just the thought of it just, you know, sends you somewhere else and, and, and changes you. Uh, and I can't imagine what it's like to be told that, listen, you have X months or, you know, this is incurable or something like that. I mean, the, the, the psychological headbutt, you know, you go from driving tranquilo, uh, 80 miles an hour on the middle lane to the emergency lane completely stopped and can't fucking move anymore. Uh, so it, 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 it's, yeah, it's pretty abrupt and I've never, I'd never been in a hospital in my life as well. The only time I'd been to a hospital was to get my wisdom teeth removed. So it was an environment I, I absolutely <laughs> nothing of. And thank God that my wife has a, uh, she graduated epidemiology when she was young and she worked in the pharmaceutical world, uh, her first years, uh, 
after graduating and and she knew that environment really well and and i mean although my english is quite good when you get hit with something like this and you're meeting doctors that speak uh, a different language than yours and being in a medical world a, a terminology that you have no idea about was just really overwhelming to me and and her being there has made the situation so much easier to deal with uh, i i i don't know how quickly i would have recovered or if i will ever recover mentally fully from this thing uh, but she's made uh, a huge difference in the way that i could tackle and handle this situation she, if she wasn't there i i i i don't i don't know what would have happened so she's been incredible and without her i i would have really struggled to uh, to actually understand what was happening and maybe take bad decisions in in in, in the process as well so i mean she's been unbelievable yeah well you would expect she's australian <laughs> well the, yeah well, i mean just just to give you an idea i mean i've got two of her friends sitting in my living room right now and the bent level this week has been through the roof mate. Uh, yeah. it's been high level champions league banter stuff as you can imagine which is which is actually played at gg this morning i brought it to gg because they never played it went straight back home straight in the fridge fresh one straight in the living room two minutes after we got home a standard procedure really for you guys <laughs> Well, mate, it's great that you're back and you're healthy and, you know, you're all looking good and you know, everything's going well for you. That's good. That must have been a tough time. Yeah, it was It was difficult. But, hey, it's life. You know, you hear stories left and right. You know, you think it only happens to others. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it earlier. I lived a rock and roll lifestyle for X couple of years. I, I've been a, a bad boy on the cigarettes for 20 years. And, you know, things do happen. But... You know that sort of stuff happens for a reason, and you kind of look at yourself and go, "Okay, let's lay everything flat. So how do we, uh, how do we, how do we get on our business from now on?" You just got to find, you know, a, a, a plan B, and it, you know, it's it's made my relationship with my wife and my family and what I have a, a whole lot better because I just realized how lucky I am and and how self-centered and maybe egoistical I, I, I would have been in the past, and uh, you know. It, it, it somehow made me, I think, uh, uh, a better person. Who knows? Yeah, I think it has. Right. right. Good, to, good to hear. Listen, as well, you, I mean, you've done some media stuff, haven't you? I mean, it's great to have you with us on the pod today, but you've done a little bit with Sky. How is that a big part of your, your sort of future plans, a bit more media work? Well, I've, I've always had some sort of, I mean, I grew up watching so much sport on TV. Um, and, and for whatever reason, I was always you know, com- commentary conscious, whatever mm-hmm. it was. I mean, I, I grew up watching sport on BBC, you know, back in the 90s. It was the only channel really where I could get my fix of English sport, wherever it was watching the the, the, the PG at Wentworth or the World the World Match Play or the Open uh, or the Masters. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of Belgians my age that know who Steve Ryder is. <laughs> um, and what the master's anthem was like from back in the day. Uh, so I always liked, uh, um, you know, the to add something to, to uh, you know, add a little bit of knowledge. I mean, I, I'm sure Radar would have, uh, you know, a huge or like so much more stories than I do on this. But, but I, I don't know. I mean, the feedback's been good. I really like doing it. I... I still like to play as as long as I can, uh, but I, I really do enjoy you know portraying what's happening and and give something to the viewer that he doesn't know and might interest him and uh, and I think the boys in in the TV compound and everything's great banter. You know, it's it you know when you just hang around golfers all the time. So at one stage you just want to have something else. So. Yeah. <laughs> But you've cracked it there, exactly. That's the way to look at it. You know, the person who sits at home on the lounge room, on, on in the in the lounge room on their sofa, you, you you have to tell them something that they don't already know, and and uh, that's you know you've got it there. You've you've just said it there yourself. That's what you strive to do, and that's the right way to go about it. It's actually more like get the guy's attention. Imagine somebody in his living room, he's got the golf in the background, he's reading something on his phone, and you should say something that gets his attention. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's how you that's how you hook somebody up. And uh, yeah. 
but listen, I really enjoy doing it. I mean, we've we've bumped into each other a couple of times, whatever it was, Ryder Cup or the Open and stuff like that. And uh, and uh, it, it, I really enjoyed uh, uh, doing it so far. And it's it's kind of like a plan B, to be fair. Uh, yeah. It's just Radar doesn't want me to take his job, but I won't. I think he's still he's still Champions League level. I'm still playing for the, for the under twenty ones. All right, I could always sort of get injured. <laughs> what with a yeah. body like yours <laughs> I don't think so he said he didn't want you on the pod Nicholas because he said oh, no he's too good I don't want him after I don't want him doing all this media stuff because he's too good he's going to start nicking my job so you know but I over I, I, I called the shots and I said no we need to get him on he's, he's, he's really good value no I, I mean every time we've had chats with I mean Radar's given me advice already you know because you know we, and I think that you you recognise when somebody's going to be able to understand, you know, the advice that you give him. And I mean, I would give, why would I waste my time giving advice to somebody that's not going to get it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and I think we, we have this understanding and we've, you know, Radar and I both like each other. And I think well, that's why, and I appreciate him taking the time to go, you know, this, that, bum, 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 because it, 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 it paves the way. And I, I, I find this is one thing about our sport as well. It goes into the DNA of our sport. You know, just helping out people because it's uh, it's a pretty complicated sport for to, to begin that's with. About, man. Yeah, that's what it's about. I think you're doing you're doing well with it. I, you know, you've got just listening to you. You, you know, you without blowing smoke up your ass, you're smart, you're eloquent. <laughs> it's uh, you get it, you understand. And you've been there, you've lived it, you've done it. So, you know, I think yeah, keep keep doing what you're doing. I think you'll have a like you said, maybe there's a lot going on next few years, um, but I think it'll be a, a really good career choice for you. So we're looking the floral commentary, Nick. Looking forward to hearing more floral commentary from you. Well, I, you know, we'll use that again. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think you've written it down and you're going to use it again. Uh, listen, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's also where I come from. You know, yes. I've, I've I've had you know I come from a different uh, uh, culture in you guys. Uh, I have. Uh, and I had to, you know, I started traveling in the UK when I was 15, you know, barely speaking English and I've developed, uh, some sort of hybrid English and using words taken from my language, uh, and, and sort of adapting it to something that you guys would, would relate to. And I think a different voice, a different culture, a different accent, a different way of thinking. And you find that again into the vice captains in, in this Ryder Cup. I mean, you've got me that sits in the middle, uh, Eduardo, Latin, Italian, and then the big great Dane from the north, <laughs> and uh, and then and then Luke. So uh, it's it, it's pretty much the same thing. Definitely, definitely. Look, Nicholas, it's been great to have you with us. Thank you so much for being a part of Sturkers and Radar. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, listen. I mean, I've always liked doing these these things, and uh, and even more so with uh, with two people that uh, that I'm very fond of, and we've not seen you for a long, long while. So, uh, so uh, it was nice to catch up. No, I know. Well, I've been off having a baby, so I've been a little busy. So, but I'll be back on the road. Back, and I missed. I think I missed. Well, I've missed the last couple of opens. One, I was suffering really badly with the morning sickness. So, um, but yeah, looking forward to catching up with you next year. If I don't see you before, I'll see you at the Ryder Cup, definitely. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely brilliant. I'll see you in a few weeks up there in the Middle East. Yeah, listen, enjoy your time at home. Uh, I know it's yeah. uh, it's uh, it's healthy for you uh, for you Aussies <laughs> to spend a bit of time uh, down no there and. Go and have a call one at Coogee Pav for me because that's where... Uh, well, I was, down that, way to, I was down that way today, yeah. Coogee Pav is one of the best places in the world on a Saturday afternoon or, or Sunday sesh. <laughs> it's great that way. It's great down that way. But Nick, look, Nick, absolutely wonderful. Thanks for being on our show. No, no, no. My pleasure. Always. Thanks, Nick. Take care. See you soon. Ciao. Oh, the dulcet tones of Nicholas Colsa. It's always good value. Great guy, Radar. I know you're all, you've always been a big fan. Yeah, well, when he came out on tour, I've heard so much about him. Uh, but I also heard of his partying, act, uh, you know, antics. Uh, he's, you know, readily admitted he went to nightclubs and all that sort of stuff. In the first few years, he wasn't showing what he could do. But then when he uh, knuckled down, we obviously saw what he could do. He was such a long hitter. Sarah, he could hit it so very far. A tall guy, a quiet lanky, big levers, and he could just hit the button. Still can, just hits it so. And he doesn't look like he hits it hard. 
He's one of those guys that has this um, grace about him. A wonderful player. He'll be a great vice captain. He's still got plenty of time to play golf as well because there's another one. He's kept himself fit. So there's still plenty more golf left in him. I like the way, you know, as a golfer, you can kind of sometimes, you know, when you've, you've had a great life. You know how to, you know how to enjoy yourself. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just yeah. that balance, isn't it? You know, and respect though he said look i needed to almost get it out of my system and i think you know yeah. but the ability to then say right i've done it now come on i don't want to waste this potential i'm going to get like he said back on the horse and get to it and you know we didn't obviously we didn't get into the details of the that performance at the Ryder cup but to see him almost that was his you know starring role in his golfing career to this point and it was amazing to watch him that week and all that talent kind of completely came to the fore and it was just amazing and i think I think it'll be a great vice captain. I'm looking forward to it. So, no, great to have Cole Sarts on. Um, listen, yeah, you're back in Sydney. So we're just going to – there's obviously a lot been happening and I know you're obviously you're back over at the end of the year and then looking forward to a big 23. But this week I'm in studio covering the Hero Challenge. Tiger's just announced he, he's, he will not be teeing it up. Fortunately, he's got um, a foot injury, can't walk basically, and it's a big shame because Radio, we haven't seen him since the Open Championship. We've kind of been waiting for him to return. He's supposed to play this week. He's obviously then playing the match, and then he's teeing it up with Charlie and the father and son. And, and clearly, that's that's now one of his highlights of the year. So wanting to be fit for that. What did you reading and listening to his comments? Honestly, what do you think about the times we will see Tiger over the next couple of years? Well, I just don't know now. I mean, I don't think it's he said. It's, it's, I can hit all the shots. I just can't walk. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of those. And that's an issue, you know, with golf, you have to walk. Um, there has been previous before where they've let players play in buggies. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that will happen. We had that um, a few years back. Um, I, I don't think they will, but you, you just, you, you just never know. Tiger Woods is Tiger Woods. Uh, it, 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 he's great for the game. He's done so much. But it's a worry, isn't it? It's hard to know where he's at. There's so much pain in that foot after the car accident. And it doesn't seem to be the game. It seems to be, he looks very, very fit. And I'm sure he's working so very hard. But and it's not that difficult to stand there, you know, four hours a day and hit balls if you're standing in the one spot. But when you are walking around the hills of Augusta, now, that's a different story, isn't it? So that's what we're going to have to wait. Just wait and see whether he's just taking his own championship off this week, the hero, just to to, to, to let it heal a little more. And, you know, the golf course where he's playing with his son, Charlie, is a little flatter. So we shall see. We'll see where he's at when we see him play with his son, Charlie, in a, a few weeks, we'll, whether we see him hobble or if he's limping, because he was limping quite badly especially around Southern Hills in the PGA Championship where Justin Thomas won. That was uh, pretty awful. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. We just have to – that's all we can do. But right now, it doesn't sound great, does it? It doesn't. And I thought there was a bit of an admission there as well. I mean, like you said, you, the, the quote that kind of hit home, I can hit all the shots, but I can't walk. But then he said, you know, my plan is to kind of play the four majors and a couple of others. You know, he's looking at six for the year. But, but to play the majors, like you said, the hills of Augusta, it's a big ask, it's a big walk. But he also said, you know, that line, there's not much in this leg anymore. It was almost like a bit of an admission. And I think it's, you know, physically, I just, you can't see it really, but you can't see him getting round four rounds on a on a tough golf course. So, but look, like no. How can you, how can, if you're playing six tournaments a year, how can you compete against... Yeah these other boys who play 23 tournaments or 25 tournaments in a schedule. They are so much in competition mode, in competition form. Uh, it's like Nadal going out and, you know, playing a match five times a year. You, you can't do that. You can't – I don't care if you are Tiger Woods or Jack Nicklaus. You, you can't compete against these people unless – you are seriously sharp. And the only way to get sharp, sure, you can practice as much as you like, and you can be sharp on the putting green, but you don't know how sharp you are until you stand on that first tee and the starter gives you a pencil and he gives you a card. And you change cards with Rory McElroy and you, off you go and you have to fill out those little boxes. 
Yeah. And those boxes are small because that's where you put the number in. You can't draw pictures of what you want to put in. But this is about going out and shooting great scores. And Tiger Woods is a great player, still is a great player, has been an amazing player. But I can't see anyone going out and competing against these guys playing six tournaments a year. I just, yeah. I just, I, I can't, I can't imagine. Well, I was freaked out when he won the, his last Masters. Yeah. Uh, he, well, if he won another major, I'd just be gobsmacked unless he plays more golf. Now, will they let him play in a buggy? I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I doubt it. I don't know. But, mm. um, you know, we need Tiger Woods. Well, the game's in good shape without Tiger. Don't worry. And Tiger will always be around. Tiger's going to be here helping tours of the world. And, you know, he's, he won't disappear, Tiger. It's just that will we see him out there like we did? I'm not so sure now. I no. doubt it. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. I love Tiger Woods. I'm a big fan. He's a good man. He's a good guy. And I hope I'm wrong. But, look, I seriously doubt it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But in typical Tiger fashion, he said, look, there's not much in his leg anymore. Then he was asked about St Andrews, and he's like, I want to go back to St Andrews. I don't just want to say my farewell there. I want to win that. I want to win there again. And it's like typical Tiger. There's that, that belief and that competitive edge. Never, you know, It's right there still. And I think that's the thing. It's the, the legs, the physicality of it is holding him back. But mentally, he's... He still believes he can go out there and win majors. So, but yeah, I'm with you. I think the, the body, unfortunately, is just it's holding him back right now. So we'll see. Look, you made a good point there. You sort of said Tiger's always going to be around, and you know we've seen the conversations and how vocal he's been about Live and uh, the PJ Tour, etc. And obviously, he's he's followed up Rory's comments from a few weeks ago talking about Live Golf, and we won't get massively into this, but just quickly, he's sort of called and said, like Rory did, look, Greg Norman needs to go before we can have these discussions. I think there's been a couple of big players now, Tiger and Rory at the head of things, who've, who've basically said, we all kind of need to sit down and talk. Do you do you see do you not see that more as a, as a, of a possibility now that they could all come together? I'm not saying imminently, but I'm saying some big players have put their voices into the ring for kind of a, a united effort. Do you see that more likely to happen now? Yeah, I do. I think it has to happen. And that's what I'm really happy about, that we're actually starting to talk about it all. Negotiations uh, are sh- extremely likely and the people are going to sit down. What they've both been vocal uh, about is uh, Greg needs to go and, and they've got their reasons for that. But it sounds like, you know, he's getting in the way with his... Um, his differences with the PGA Tour over the years. Back in the day, he wanted the, a tour like this to happen, and he 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 thought he had the backing of all the players. And and when it came to the twelfth hour, the, the the big time, they all pulled and said, "No, no, no, we're not. We're going to stay with the PGA Tour." And Greg has held a grudge by the sounds of things for a, a long time, and and they want Greg to go. And if Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods want Greg to go, if I was a betting man. I think Greg will go. <laughs> I, think, I think what we've got is two pretty heavy, big heavyweights in there. And uh, look, even you know, Rory McIlroy's got a big voice in the world of golf. Yeah. But Tiger Woods is the voice in the world of golf. <laughs> you know, they talk about the old cliche, Greg. You know, you know. You know, like players that move the needle in golf, yeah. like Tiger is the needle. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well said, Radar. Well said. Uh, listen, I know you're excited about the end of our podcast because it means give me a clue who and it gives you a chance to uh, to uh, try and overtake Sturkers in the uh, in the stakes. But listen, before we get to that, very quickly, Lydia Ko, I covered the CME Group Tour Championship um, a couple of weeks ago. She won her 19th LPGA Tour title, her third of the season. She's just moved to world number one. Radar, she's 25 years of age. She's been on our screens and in our, in the media, in the front pages, the back pages. She's been you know, in our, in our minds and our thoughts for 10 years. She's 25. I mean, she's, you know, she's been here since she was 15. It blows my mind. I was so delighted for her to see her get back to world number one and to, to have the season she's had. She, I mean, she's a, she's a class act, isn't she? Just, just 
for you, put into perspective what you think Lydia Ko, where she is now in her game and her career and what she's managed to achieve at such a young age? Well, what she is is the greatest wood player that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, she's just a fen- phenomenal New Zealander, an incredible player, um, which they had a great year this year, didn't they? Yeah, you know, Ryan Fox had such a great year, a winner, and then they had a winner on the, um, the Champions Tour. You've got... But, you know, Lydia's just an incredible player. You know, we've, we've known that for a long, long time. And to end the year on number one is, will that be her last number one? Because I tell you what, next year she's got some unbelievable players. I think Minji Lee next year is going to have an incredible year. Lynn Grant, if we can get this, uh, a ping player, Lynn. Uh, you know, if we can get Lynn, who won the L.E.T., she's number one on the L.E.T. And, and... Yeah, if we can get her with the vaccination situation to play over there, I think she'll be very hard to beat. I think she'll hit it further than anyone and dominate the game, Lynn. But, you know, me, you know, getting back to Lydia, yeah, just an incredible year for her. She went into the doldrums, uh, Sarah, Sarah, a few yeah. years back. She, she was playing badly, wanted to change, went to Ledbetter, then went out of Ledbetter under the guidance of Ledbetter, just quit the game and went somewhere else. And now she's back. To her very best. It shows you the perseverance, uh, perseverance uh, that she just persevered with the whole game. And, and she's a wonderful player, just an incredible talent. She's going to be there for a long time, but how long does she want to do it for? You know, she's done everything. She's going to be a, a squillionaire by the time she's 30. And she's <laughs> like, you know, how incredibly she's just, um, but the ladies game next year, they're playing for sale. So much more money. We've been saying that on our pod for a while now, and it's, it's great to see it all, um, you know, bearing fruit that the girls are starting to get what they deserve because they have a wonderful product out there. You're right. You're absolutely right. And you had a great few years with Foley, and I know he massively, we talked about this on air, he massively helped her with, I think, just the, the mentality, the mental side of the game, getting it back to, to playing, to feeling like she was a kid again. I know that sounds crazy, but almost Golf became her job, not her passion. And I think she really found the fun in golf again, played with freedom, which has been critical for her this year. And yeah, amazing to see. Um, actually split with Foley at the end of at the end of uh, last month, but we'll still use her as a mentor. So still use him as a mentor. And I, yeah, uh, really chuffed for her. So yeah, glad we got to, uh, to wax lyrical about Lydia Ko. Um, okay, Radar, it is time for Give Me A Clue Who. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm ready. I hate this. I hate these games. I really do. But I'm quite. But I'm quite good at them. You are good at them. You are good. At them. Right. We've got uh, producer Pete. Hello. With the questions. Um, I hope you've got some good ones lined up for us this week. Yeah. Well, um, Muggsy's passed these on, and he said he's made them quite easy this oh. time round. So. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, that's that because radar couldn't keep up the pace. Muggsy's always been full of shit. <laughs> so the, the the score as it stands is Sturkers three and a half, Radar two and a half. That's only because he cheated last time to get within a point. Yeah, come on, <laughs> so I'll go through the clues. You write down the answer or make a note of the answer and then we go through them again and you give your answers. So question one. My family aren't the most inventive with names. My brother caddied for me in the early days and now runs my golf management company. I love reading novels, fishing, and hunting. Oh, dear. I don't know that, do you? Look, I've no idea. Got inventive with names is the clue. Inventive with names. Number two. If I wasn't a professional golfer, I would be running for political office, having once had the chance to play golf with George W. Bush. My drink of choice is vodka and water, and I'm famous for a celebration at an event when drinking is very popular. Yeah. You know it. Yeah, I think I've got that. Okay. Right. Number three. I originally started golf to lose weight, but fell in love with the game when I was 13. I was originally a shot put athlete. I'm a good singer and dream of doing a world tour on a motorbike. I thought it sounded easier. Oh, they're ridiculous. Jesus. Well, a good singer. A world tour on a motorbike. No idea. 
(laughs) (laughs) Number four. I recently announced I am pregnant with my first child. My fiancé is the caddy of one of the best golfers in the world. Right. You got that? It's a woman. (laughs) It's one of two, and I don't know. I've not actually heard the news. Yeah, okay. I've got it. Have you got it? Oh, maybe. Okay, number five. My middle name is Utaka. Utaka shit. (laughs) 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 And I won the 1986 Baja 1000 while racing for Team Yamaha. What? I know this. This is the only golf. That's not golf related. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know. Okay. Let's start at the very beginning. My family aren't the most inventive with names. My brother caddied for me in the early days and now runs my golf management company. I love reading novels, fishing and hunting. Number one. Radar, who have you got for number one? Mate, I'm just going to have a stab. Jackie Nicholas. Okay. Sturkers? Hunter Mayhan. It's Davis Love the Third. Uh, That's just difficult, man. My family aren't the most inventive with names. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, The answer, isn't it, Pete? Exactly. (laughs) Number two. If I wasn't a professional golfer, I'd be running for political office. Having once had the chance to play golf with George W. Bush, my drink of choice is vodka and water. I'm famous for a celebration at an event when drinking is very popular. Radar, who have you got? I've got Harry Higgs. Sturkers? Harry Higgs. Oh, shut up. You aren't taking Harry Higgs. You liar. Don't you ever say No way you're Honestly, did you have that written down, Sturkers? No. No. No, she didn't. All right. No, nothing to Sturkers. One to Rainer. It? it was Harry Higgs. Yeah. Looks. I, I yeah. knew that. Dude wipes. <laughs> Number three. Well <laughs> I originally started golf to lose weight, but fell in love with the game when I was 13. I was originally a shot put athlete. I'm a good singer and dream of doing a world tour on a motorbike. Sturkers, what have you got? Uh, I don't know. I haven't got I don't know. I'm You've got to have a stab. I haven't got it either. I, I, I've got, I haven't got. Well torn, well torn a motorbike. I don't know, beef. Oh, what about um, the fellow who won the players, uh, the, the the daddy of um, golf in in Korea? What's his name? He was a weightlifter, wasn't he? Um... KJ Choi. KJ Choi. That is that your answer? If that's yeah. right, I'm eating lemons. It's not right. Um, (laughs) The answer is K.H. Lee. These things are hard today. Oh, they're brilliant. Yeah, they're good. Good questions, though. Number four. I recently announced I'm pregnant with my first child. My fiancé is the caddy of one of the best golfers in the world. Radar, who have you got for this? I'm going to go Jessica Corder. Sturkers? I don't know. I think, is it Emily Pedersen? Is that your answer? Yeah. Okay. It's Caroline Masson. Oh, bollocks. Was that one of the two you were thinking of, Sturkers? Because you said you had it down to two. No, no. I thought it was either Anna Norquist or Emily Pedersen. Ah, right. Okay. So, coming to the fifth one, and... Is it 1-0? Radar's winning this 1-0 at the moment. (laughs) Okay. Well, this is this is where you might be able to pull it back. Number five, my middle name is Yutaka, and I won the 1986 Baja 1000 while racing for Team Yamaha. Radar, what have you got for this? Nothing. I mean, Team yeah, 1986, Team Yamaha. It's got to be a senior golfer. Um, Jeeve Milka Singh. Okay. Ooh. Sturkers, what have you got? 
I have Mr. Ricky Fowler. And that's the point right there. Yes. Oh, Ricky. Uh, now, 86. How old was he on the Yamaha? Three? <laughs> <laughs> now, I do have a tie-break question. Oh. Wait a second. Wait a second. Ricky Fowler was on a <clears throat> yacht bike in 1986. Yeah. He, he was a child prodigy. Yeah. That was his first love. It was a motocross, wasn't he? That was his big thing. Yeah, but he was 1986. Is how many years ago? Look, don't be a sore loser. It was Ricky Fowler. Let's move on to the tiebreak. Right. <laughs> the tiebreak question. Today's oh guest. I can feel this. I can feel this going belly up. This. <laughs> <laughs> Today's guest, Nicholas Colsarts. How many DP World Tour tournaments has he played? And the nearest to the right answer wins. I'm going to go 200. Am I way out with 200? Well, is that your guess? Uh, 200. Okay. Radar? 484. He said that confidently then, like he knew the answer. How do you know that? He's got to be very close to 500. He's been out. He was out there when I was playing. Well, it, it isn't 484, uh, but it is 436. So that is a point to Radar. So Radar... All square. All square at 3.5, three and a half each. Wow. All this square. is a great series. So you like it now? Give me a clue who. Yeah, I don't mind this show. You just give me a clue. That was all right. <laughs> But we're going to get someone else to write the bloody questions yeah. because we, they were outrageous. Can we get easier next month, please? We've got we've got Ricky Fowler driving around on a Yamaha just out of in, his mother's womb. In diapers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Uh, listen, well done, Radar. I'm impressed. You're fighting back with Give Me A Clue Who. Thank you to you all for listening. It's been another great episode. Big thanks to Nicholas Colsart. Um, you've been listening to Sturkers and Radar Uncut, brought to you by Pink. Yeah, play your best and get some of those new clothes. They are mint. <laughs> we'll see you next time. This has been a Monkey Pants Productions podcast.